And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torresani. What does your sweatshirt say? What up, family? Oh my gosh, I love that. Is that a new sweatshirt for you? Is this it new sure merch? Is. What up, family? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Marcus Black is with me right now, and I am just so... Mm, I'm all cozy and warm inside because that is what your voice, your energy, everything does for me. We met on this voice app and um, it was such a magical moment for me because your voice is not only like sexy and deep and soothing and all of this, like you're straight up like from another world. You're actions behind your voice and the things that you say were so empowering and so brutally honest at times when I think it was kind of the the, the hardest of times during COVID, um, feeling lonely and feeling sad. And there was something so special about connecting with strangers as like bizarre and strange, excuse me, as that sounds, like connecting with strangers. And I just felt this connection immediately to you. And then I was so lucky to be able to, uh, you know, FaceTime with you and be able to see your beautiful face and connect that way. And I just, Marcus, I'm so happy you are here and that you are getting to bless all of us with some words of wisdom and some inspiration because it's just what you do organically. And I just... I, you know, God spent a little extra time on you. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sheesh, how do I come in after that? Listen, guys, I got to make sure I live up to that incredible introduction. But uh, I'm grateful to be here with this incredible community. I'm grateful for all you guys stand for. I'm grateful to you for showing up and listening. And I cannot wait for this powerful conversation. I will say I wholeheartedly felt the same about you from day one. Your oh, energy was you. next level, your rawness, your realness, and the way that you connected to show people it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And life is a continual growth journey. And just the way you represented that was such a blessing to my heart. I'm oh. just honored to know you and grateful to be oh, here. Oh my gosh. Marcus, how did you get into this whole mental health, you know, inspirational? I mean, for those who don't know who Marcus Black is, you're an inspirational speaker. You travel around the world. You have a radio show. You have your own, like, lift up company. What up, family? And, you know, you are literally just doing so much through your story. I, I don't know how you begin to share who Marcus Black is because you've been through so many different journeys in your life and you have so many different chapters that brought you to who you are. But how did how did it first start for you? Man, what a question. And <laughs> and here's what I'll tell you guys, because I know that this will relate to you and where you are or right. where you've been or this will touch you because that's who I am. So right. I think about the beginning of my journey and it's a it's a journey that was birthed from pain. You know, mm. like I'm from Mississippi, the heart of the South. So Mississippi doesn't necessarily yes. have the warmest, fuzziest history. Right. Uh, so I grew up in that. It already is the poorest state in the union. Is it really? Like, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. 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 It's, so we struggled a lot, man. My parents did the best they could. You know, they fought hard and I'll never take that from them. Uh, but my dad had a lot going on in his life and there's a lot going on from his life and probably some mental health stuff that, you know, at the time was 
you, there is no mental health. Well, you know, no. you're talking Especially back with a man, 70s, no. 80s. You just suck it up and go, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so there was such a stigma that he was just trying to fill a hole in his soul. So he he turned to all these toxic, destructive habits like like alcohol. He turned wow. heavily, like abusing alcohol, right. abusing gambling, all type of addictions. And what that led to was me, which yes, is a, a which difficult is a, life. Yeah, and a gift of God. Yes. I, definitely a gift but it was a it, it was difficult growing up you know there was yeah. a lot of anger and I, i've learned since i've gotten older he was just struggling to try to cope with his reality right but at the time it doesn't make it any easier i was degraded on a regular basis and he and i have a relationship now so i can talk about this freely you know that lets you know reconciliation is possible but at the time he did everything he could from an early age were you an only I child at the time Oldest kid of wow. oldest. So, so two all the pressure. Brothers. Yeah, all the pressure and every yeah, wow. Yep. So that that was difficult and it was painful. And I was told I would be nothing but a failure, a bum in this world, a mistake. And I just kind of learned to walk on eggshells. I learned to live as an inferior version of myself. I learned to swallow my voice and not use it. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I was worthless. And I know I I know now that I wasn't, but that's what I felt at the time. And somebody right now is listening to this and coming to see you on a weekly basis or however often they get to be in your graces because they feel worthless and you make them feel better. But I want I share that so you know that you're not alone. So that's the beginning. And I'll get like, well, where did it change? I'll get into that. I just wanted you guys to know. Say, you know what? I really appreciate what you said is how. You know, you you learned this at a young age because, you know, now when you can go back and you can reflect and you can really understand and and digest it all, you know, you know that this was just false. You know, you know, it was bullshit. Like, excuse my French, but like, it's true. Like it was bullshit, you know, but you inside felt that way. and, And that's just what you were taught and what you learned. Yes, it was. And. You know, that caused me to start having this crippling fear like Mm. of like life because I felt like so much of life was death. It was so dark. It was so heavy. It was so difficult. I was like, this can't be what life is. And so I started longing for something different. I started longing for something more like a life for a bigger life, a better life. But then I started to be afraid of like, well, what if I never get to experience that? Mm. What if I die before that happens and that is when I had like I was nine years old I had a visit from this monster and I'm not talking about the kind that live under beds and hide out in closets I'm talking about a real life monster that haunts almost more than any other sickness or disease in the world and that's anxiety oh my god I love and at nine calling. years old I had my first anxiety attack and it was crippling when I say like crippling I mean like I feel like I got swallowed into a black hole, like a vacuum. And I just like was not there. I was hyperventilating and I was literally envisioning myself being buried alive in this like grave and my life ending and it being over. And I just remember like, that was like the worst, scariest, most long experience of my life before my mom comes in, my friend goes and gets my mom. Cause I'm a kid, my friend's a kid, my friend's freaking out. Like what is happening to this man? I don't know. My mom comes in and she says, uh, she says, baby, what is wrong? She's like shaking me. And finally all the breath like sucks back into my body. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like slowly starting to like breathe and calm down. And she keeps asking me what's wrong. 
And the only thing I could say to her was like, mommy, am I going to die? Wow. Because I had equated so much of like, I, I really have, and I still, my greatest fear to this day is dying before I fulfill my mission, is dying before actually fulfilling the, what I'm supposed to do on the planet. You know, what's so, so interesting is I was very similar around the same age of, of not having a panic attack, but that's when kind of my life, I think, I was aware of something felt wrong. You know, when I was five, I, I dealt with um, having to go to a hypnotherapist because I was having problems crossing thresholds from one side of the door to the next because I was such a perfectionist. And when I was nine, like, that's when literally all of it started to have this ripple effect and people would dismiss it because they, you know, I, I'm very lucky that my mom did not dismiss it, but a lot of people dismissed, you know, what I was going through in pain because, oh, well, they're nine. You know what I mean? They're having a temper tantrum. They're going to grow up like this is what it is. And here you are, you know, and as an adult, as a human adult, and you still have such a visceral reaction to that feeling that you felt when you were nine years old. It's remarkable. It is. So people are always ask me like well dang that sucks and I'm like it does and then they're like well hopefully it went away and it got better and I'm like <laughs> I wish I could tell you that was the case I wish I could sure. tell you that was the last time I ever experienced that and we all <laughs> lived happily ever after but unfortunately it was not it was a recurring nightmare that haunted me for years and years and years so when things began to shift is from nine to 18 so literally nine years later maybe there's some significance to that number yeah. I don't know to look into it, it. but at at age 18 I was a routine night with my friends and we were kicking it we were out having some good clean fun no alcohol involved no trouble right and we were headed home it was that evening and I remember falling asleep which is okay because I'm not driving and I'm dozing right? off music's playing and I heard boom it was like <gasps> this crazy explosion and that is not something you want to hear while you are on the highway in a car uh, or asleep. No, absolutely not. <laughs> you don't want to hear that sound. So I open my eyes and I look at my friend like, hey, man, what is happening right now? He doesn't know. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The car starts jumping up and down. Then we start fishtailing like this. And then I might as well have been in Fast and the Furious because that car flew off the highway. And we were literally nearing a bridge. So it was an elevated median. We fly off the highway, Dukes of Hazard style, down into this ditch. And I remember that was like the fastest, slowest moment of my life. So my head was going back and forth and glass was smacking me in the face. It's like a trees movie. were coming in the car, smacking me in the face before next thing you know, the car goes, boom, another boom. And then I sat there and silence happened. Like this eerie silence. And I remember being so petrified to open my eyes because I, I knew in that moment that my greatest fear had come to pass. Finally, mm. it caught up to me. I am now about to die right. without having ever lived. Right. That, that's where I sat in that moment. <sighs> Spoiler alert, though. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you alert, listen Marcus to the sound of my here. voice, that means things didn't go how I thought they were going to go. But what a, I mean, that moment must have lasted forever for you. It was like what I had, didn't share is that not two years prior, less than two years prior, I lost one of my best friends in this world, rocked my entire community in a car accident. I was with him. I was supposed to be in the car with him. So it was. And I had to run home. <gasps> so I'm thinking now. Well, he's gone and it was my time and I'm like right. freaking out. 
But I remember opening my eyes. I didn't even want to look at myself first. Right, I looked right. at everybody else first because right. I'm like, you know, but everybody was fine. Like we now we were stuck in the car. We were literally trapped yeah, <laughs> like yeah. all the the metal jammed into like an accordion and we were just like scratched <gasps> in this crazy situation we couldn't get out there's a tree in the car <laughs> behind us wow and we were like lodged in between trees there was like no way to get out of the car the doors wouldn't open it was smoking uncontrollably i smelled gas all i was thinking is maybe i watched too many movies but i'm thinking this mug is about to blow and yeah, we gotta get right, out of here <laughs> right 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 was there oh my, like i know this is really like strange and like forgive me if this is a weird question but i always wonder you know i'm very fascinated by the shows and and the movies and stuff where and in documentaries specifically where people talk about that kind of like out of body experience where Maybe it's like they, you know, are in quote unquote dead, right? And they are they are physically dead, but they're still alive and their soul's still there. And then they go back into their soul. Was there ever this moment where you woke up and like didn't want to open your eyes because you were afraid like, oh my God, I'm dead and I'm going to open my eyes and it's going to be like heaven? Like, did you ever have that? Like, I'm, I'm sorry if that's a really like grim thing, but I'm so fascinated by like afterlife and like what is these, because people have these, these moments where they just, everything changes. That it absolutely was a fear of mine. So that's not a weird question. Okay. I literally was afraid of what I was going to see. Yeah. And I was afraid that it was over. So I just held it as long as I possibly could. And I was listening for the noises because it, it really was like in that space. Right. Because you got to think like it, this wasn't even you guys hearing it. I'm sure I'm, I can dramatize it well. Sure. But like to imagine your car flying. No, that fast I, I mean, I through the air. Yeah. We went 30 feet down. So, like, the car spinning in the air. We knocked down six. We took out six trees before the last tree was, like, too much. And and everyone survived. We all walked away. Did you all have the same similar experience of, like, the when your eyes were closed, like, not wanting to open? Like, did you ever have that conversation with your friends about that? No, we didn't. Like, my friend who was driving was crying so hard, and he was just saying, I want my mama. That's all he was saying. He wanted mama. Oh, bless. And my friend, his brother who was sitting behind him was just rocking back and forth. He just kept repeating. He said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's where he was. Right. And then the other friend who actually was the most hurt of us, we didn't know what was wrong. He couldn't breathe. So we learned he, he had a bruised sternum, so he was okay. Right. But in the moment, he couldn't breathe. And he was like, y'all just leave me down here. <gasps> I actually took the door off the car. That's how we got out. Like, I took it off the hinges. So you hear those stories. You the jaws of, of life. Like some little lady lifting yeah. a car yeah. off of a baby. It was yeah. like that situation. <gasps> wow. Because you just had all the power in you. And it was the adrenaline. You were yep, a superhero. They laugh hero, about it now. Right? It wasn't funny then, but they no. they laugh about it now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Because we were in Hulk mode to get out of this dang car. And we have to laugh about sadness, and and that's why I try to make this podcast as light and funny as possible. Because I mean, truth be told, like we have to laugh, otherwise. You just sit in the sorrow and the sadness all day long and look at where you are now and look at this story. Oh my gosh. So what happens afterwards? So, so um, we get up and then there's all this crazy story of like this doctor who's like telling me, he's like, did you have your seatbelt on? And I was like, yes, sir. Cause the police over there filling yeah. out a report. That's another thing. 
of all the people who could have been right behind us when this happened, we get to the top of the hill back on the interstate and there's a big pickup truck and this guy comes a running <gasps> and he's a doctor who just got off his shift at the hospital, You're saw the whole kidding. thing happen, che- had already called 911, checked us all out before. I'm like, what are the odds? No, I right? mean, literally, what are the odds? I mean, that's just the universe. Like everything is a plan. Yeah. No coincidences. Right. So he goes through that. Then he asks, did you have your seatbelt on? And I lied. I said, absolutely. I did not have right. a seatbelt on. And he's he's going, science is happening in his brain. Right. I don't he's know like, what that means because I'm not a science person. Sir, but this I'm doesn't watching make him sense. Com- <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching science happen in his brain. And he says to me, I'm going to ask you again. Did you have your seatbelt on? And then I just did the thing where you put your head down. And I said, no, I didn't. He said, there's no way. Yeah. He's like, the way you hit and the impact you hit, you probably wouldn't have a head. Like it was like one of those like extreme, like you wouldn't be here if you did. Not a reason for you guys to not wear your safety belt. It was just one of those extreme anomalies. Right. And so we talked through that. Then he told us, you know, if the car had hit forward, you would have exploded on impact. We put the car spin to 180 and we hit backwards. And that's (gasps) what kept the car from exploding. Wow. Oh my God. It's so many little nuances, but anyway, there's a bunch of details. I'll detail a lot of that in the book that I wrote so you can learn about that. But here's what happened next. So I'm here and now I have a new lease on life because once you dance with death, I tell people death and I did the tango. And once you dance with death, it changes you in ways you cannot fathom. Like I was forever altered from that moment because now every every breath I breathe is a gift. Yeah. I'm on borrowed time, yep. which we all technically are, but we just don't look at it that way. No. We get so crippled by the negative circumstances in our life that we don't realize the gifts and the blessings and the gratitude that is the things that we're to be grateful for every day. all around us. Yeah. So that is where I was in my mind space. And then I'm like, okay, from this moment forward, I want to help people. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here for a reason. I want to help people. Mm-hmm. So that was the choice I made, but it didn't happen overnight. Cause then people were like, so you just went and started changing the world. Like, no, then there was a two year yeah. from there. I was 18 when that happened from 18 to 20, I was like lost wow. I, as lost could be because my heart's desire was to help people, but I didn't know how. Yeah. And then I got trapped in this, like, man, why? I was a football player. I couldn't play anymore after that. Why? Man, why did why did people that I literally grew up next to have luxury cars at 14 and my family doesn't even have a car? Right. We got right. five people trying to figure out how to get from point A to B. We don't even know what we're gonna eat today. Why? Why did I have to be born into this situation? Why right. could not I have had this? Why did I have to struggle with anxiety? Why did I have to go through all of this pain and adversity and trauma? And I'm asking why, why, why for two years? And I know we all have a different belief system, which is cool. I support it, but I'm talking totally. to God. I'm like, yo, if you out here, like, what? Why me? Right. right. Is right. my question. What did I do? And I never got an answer to that question. And it's, and it took me two and a half years to realize I was never going to get an answer to that question yeah. because I was asking the wrong question. Ooh. <sighs> the wrong question. So I was never going to get the answer to it because the question was never why. It was never why me. The question was always what for. Right. Oh, that's so beautiful. What was it all for? Because now we get into, once I had that revelation, I realized you guys have this, like, have you ever been like looking for something in your life? Like just searching high and low. Let's say you misplaced your keys. For me, it's my glasses. I am so blind. Like they could be on this desk and And I can't can't see see them them. because they're the same color (laughs) as the desk. 
this is an everyday thing. My wife just she doesn't even bother anymore. She's like, oh my god. Oh my gosh. And people are like, why don't you just put in place? I do, but I can't see them, so I feel yeah. over them, and then I'm like, oh, where did they go? And I'm freaking out. It's a thing. Listen, that's why I got LASIK eye surgery, okay? Because because of this exact reason. Because I went to a very, like, crazy place, literally the most insane place you could, where I was like, there is eventually going to be an apocalypse. It's going to be the end of the world. It's going to be like the walking dead. Like, we're going to need motorcycles, and we're going to need to just, like, go. We're going to need to go really fast, and I'm not going to be able to have glasses, and I'm not going to be able to bring my contacts. What am I going to do? And that is the reason... Literally, Marcus, why I got LASIK eye surgery. Okay? So you may that's have just why. convinced me. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I yeah. do not want to be left behind in you the You don't apocalypse. want to be left behind so. in the apocalypse because they're not gonna pick someone who has glasses. I'm telling you, they're gonna be like it's dead weight, okay? I'm telling you, these are the things I thought about. <laughs> no, that is solid. I like it. I'm I'm literally gonna make that happen. I need my consultation. So <laughs> but I noticed. Like every day, I could never find them, but the entire time they were right in front of my face. Right. And yeah. a lot of times that's the case. And no, it's not even a lot of time. It's fucking all of the time because I'm having this moment right now. And this is such a, a bizarre kind of like, you know, I mean, here, here we go. Like, this is how it's supposed to be, right? There's no coincidence. As you said earlier, there's no coincidence, but I literally am going through this in my life where I feel so drained and so frustrated. And so like, I just give my all to a certain thing in my life. And I'm like, I don't understand, but what's the point of it? What, why, why, you know, are people around me getting, a, B, and C. Why is this happening? And then something did happen recently to me where it was like, oh, wow. And I needed my husband to point it out to me. I didn't even see it. He saw it. And he says, this is what you've been working for. This is the three years of this podcast. This is the three years of you, you know, literally like throwing up your life story for this one particular thing. If you didn't do this, if you didn't do A, you wouldn't get B, right? And then so forth. And so it's so interesting to me because it's just, it's really like as woo-woo and crazy as it sounds, like it, there is no coincidence. Everything happens for a reason and you just have to trust even when it hurts so much. Absolutely. God, I love that you said that. Yeah. Watch, watch this. <laughs> so you said it, you're right. It's always been right in front of your face. This is when I realized what purpose was mm. because I equate purpose to that thing that we're on the search for. We're on the search for meaning. Viktor Frankl talks about man's search for meaning. I'm looking for this thing. I'm trying to figure out how it makes, how it matters and how I fit into the grand scheme of the circle of life, what I have to offer, where my relevance and my value is. And I'm searching for the right job and the right opportunity and mm. the right relationship because I feel like my purpose can be found than any of these things and that is false purpose is not something you find it's who you are yeah. you are purpose so then you look that. at purpose it literally is i say purpose is the meaning of the sum total of your lived experiences That's in beautiful. layman's terms <laughs> purpose is how you make your pain matter it's how you yeah. so it's the choice that you make uh -huh. to take everything you went through stop asking why 
figure out what it's for, package that and go serve somebody else. Go give to somebody else. Go love somebody else through your pain because somebody sits in the seat in which you sat and they don't see their way past it. And you just sharing vulnerably could open that door for them. And that is living your purpose. That is where the meaning comes from. It's who you are. It's not something you find. And that is what I realized. And that shifted things for me on my journey. Right. What was the the turning point for you in those two and a half years? What was it that you, wh- who answered the question, you know, what for? Man, I don't think anybody did. I mean, I kept getting slapped in the face because I wanted, yeah. my dream was not what I'm doing. My dream was to be the suit and tie guy in a high rise building with the nice fragrance and the fancy shoes. I love that. Finance. The nice fragrance. Like that's, that's what, like that is a key element that people don't talk about. It's the nice fragrance. I love that. <laughs> Listen, it's a problem for me. I will spend all my money. I am a connoisseur, all the fragrances. I got winter fragrances, summer fragrances, spring, day fragrances, night fragrances, leisure. Like, listen, it's a thing. That is so amazing. I love that. I'm making my own, too. So, listen, I'm just excited. But, yes. Oh, my God. That's what I wanted. But it's it's <laughs> but, true. It's it's just the consistent of, like, over and over. And it's like, how many times do we have to shake you up, Marcus? Like, listen. And then you go, oh, now I get it. What for? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so what happened? I think something about turning 21. Like, I, I turned 21, and I was like, okay, my dream is this. But people kept coming to me with these, like, extreme situations. Like, right. people who were no longer wanting to live were coming to me. And I'm like, I ain't nobody's wow. therapist. But for some reason, it was helping. There was a, a young lady, I'll never forget this, and she had been abused sexually by a close relative who lived with them. And they finally found out. She got the courage to open up to her grandparents. Cool. And and uh, I don't know what about me told her open up, but she did. And then her grandma was like, she will not see it therapist that right. freaks her out right. but i kept getting calls in the middle of the night like can you talk to her because right. you're the only person she'll talk to you're the therapist and it was a random like it was a bunch of situations like that like way too many for me to ignore it was like okay i get it i think right. i'm supposed to do something different than the high rise and so at 21 i don't know what it was about that there's there's a couple of pivotal moments 21 was one of those where i was like what are you doing right you're sitting around here wallowing like, listen, man, there's people who got it way worse than you, who got who have gone through way worse than you. And you out here like whining and griping and complaining. That is that doesn't mean I'm not entitled to feel what I was feeling. But it also meant like if I want to make my time count, at what point do I do something? Right. And that's when that was a shift for me. Right. And that was the big moment. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that beautiful? It's just so beautiful. I just like it's it's wild how we can totally change who we are at any age, it doesn't matter. And I think that that age is nothing but a number. And I am so sick of age because of that. Because you think, well, when you graduate high school, you're supposed to know something. When you graduate college, you're supposed to know something. And you know what? Like, I'm 34 years old, going to be 35, and I still don't know. You know? And it's like, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. I'm still just figuring it out because it changes all the time. You don't have to be stuck in one thing over and over and over. Wow. Yes, this is so good. So peep this. This is a question I got. 
because people were like, okay, you're doing all this incredible stuff now, which I'm just, I'm 35. So we, we entered the earth right. around the same time. Yep. So, so people are like, okay, you're traveling with some of the top speakers in the world. You're like doing all of this stuff. There's press now, there's accolades now, like success now, like how in the heck did you get here? We heard about your tragic beginning right. and we see the success now. What happened in between? Right. And a person asked me that and she said, what about the middle? And something, everything inside of me, Ooh. my hair stood up on my arms yeah. and I said to her, I said, the magic is in the middle. Ooh, That's where the magic is. I love happens. that. The magic, the magic is, in, is the in the middle. Because so many, so much of our lives we're becoming and we think that like, man, we're, we focus on the beginning. Like I got so far to go, I'll never get there. And so you let that stop you or right. you are like looking at the end and you're just like, man, I'm so far away from that. I'm never going to get there. So you're just paralyzing yourself with these thoughts and you're in the middle and you're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Right. And you're trying to figure out what to do. And this is where the magic happens. This is where, because from what I didn't say, was from 21, even though I had the revelation of what to do, I still didn't know how to do it. And right. so from year 21 to year 30 was literal hell for me. That was like the wilderness. I was all out in the wilderness, lost. I got married during those years, but it was hard. Like we had all of these cycles of toxic behavior, yep. like from our inherited. And so we're just doing the best we can, but we almost became homeless. We're struggling with poverty mindset. And it was just like losing job after job, temporary jobs. It was just this like chaotic, nightmarish season of me learning how to do the thing that I wanted to do. So if you feel like, okay, I got this dream too, and I got this goal and something I want to do in my life, but I keep banging my head against the wall, nothing is going as it should. I have no clue what I want to do. Then that means you are in the middle, which is where the magic happens. Because even though I equate that, to being in the wilderness, I always tell people, listen, in the wilderness is where I learned how to hunt, yes. fish, gather. It's where I added tools to my tool belt and built the necessary skills that I'm now using to inspire and transform hearts and lives all over the world. None of that would have happened if I was not prepared in the middle. Well, I am just, I, it's, so, I'm, I'm very emotional right now and overwhelmed because I feel I've never heard it be put that way of the what's in the middle. And I think that, I, I don't even think. I know what I've been through and I know what I've struggled. And I know that for 14 years of my life of living with the diagnosis of bipolar disorder and being told to hide it, then to not hide it, then to talk about it, then to overly talk about it, then not wanting to share that much because then I feel vulnerable. And all of these things of learning, like, what is the right way for me to get my story out there without it feeling gross? Because so many people, they share stories and I, some of them are fake and some of them are exaggerated and some of them are you know because it's a hot topic and it's cool to talk about and it's frustrating and you're just like what more good work can I do how many more hours can I put in how much more research can I do how much more like self-worth work can I do on myself and then you realize that's the best part it's that juice it's that juice that you need. You need every, I'm going to do my own analogy. You need every, oh, I'm like dropping pictures. I'm so excited. See, I'm like so excited. I'm dropping my own picture. How about that? Okay. No, but 
I feel like you need every like fruit, right? That you can find all the different ones. And then you got to put that in the blender and you got to try different things to make sure to see like, is this a good juice? Is this yummy? Is this not? Because you need to do it. And it, it's, it's a work of art, you know? And I mean, yeah. shit, I'm like going on 14 years and I'm, I'm just now feeling like I'm being heard. You know, and I, I, we're kind of on, it's weird. We're on the same path of, of the timeline, you know, it, it, that it, is crazy. And, and you get so frustrated and literally I've banged my head against the wall, like physically because of it, you know, and I've thrown things and I've just been like overwhelmed. And yes, you could say that's because of the bipolar disorder, but you could also say, I'm just a human that's frustrated. I'm frustrated and just not, not knowing why is it easy for other people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Here's what I love about you. And <laughs> I love many things about you, but everything that you've gone through has is what qualifies and equips you. Right. And so from day one, there's never been a time, like you said, there are always people clamoring for a stage and a microphone sure. and a spotlight but I've never gathered that from you once. Every time you open your mouth, it's from a heart to make your experiences matter, to give meaning and to help somebody else. So the beauty is, even in that frustration, in that season of those 14 years, you've grown so much. You are becoming this pillar that's gonna transform. You are already transforming ridiculous amounts of lives, but you're just getting started. What you're the next level. And you know, there's this, everybody, we want this whole TikTok trend. You know, we wanna skip to the good part, but you can't yeah. skip to the good part. And so you didn't, like you didn't skip, you went through that. And now you're getting to the point where like, all right, I know what it's for, I'm gaining clarity, but that was a necessary step because it's gonna right. make you that much more impactful, that much more special, that much more unique and equipped to do things you don't even know you're gonna need to do. I mean, it, it's, it's I, I thank you, I, I appreciate that, I take that in and I will say, you know, it's hard, right? Like, because you don't feel like people I, I don't know. Maybe be, you'll understand this because you have a radio show and, you know, you do do it like this. When you're not in front of a stage and you're not in front of an audience, right, physically and seeing them, you don't have that immediate reaction of like, wow, Marcus, like round of applause. That was amazing. Right. You're putting out art. You're putting out, you know, your heart and soul into the, into the interweb basically, and not knowing if you're getting anything back and just like praying and hoping like maybe someone will write an Apple review right now. And like, let me know that it's good. You know, like there, there's no way. And I think that that's where it's always so hard for me because I, it's, it feels like this give, 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 give. And you're like, but does anyone receive it. And I think that that's what's so special about, you know, and what I truly miss about COVID times, you know, while I do think it's beautiful that we're able to do these Zoom calls because it's something we probably wouldn't have been able to figure out pre-pandemic, right? Because no one was really like cool with the, the online Zoom calls. But, you know, I miss that, that in-person, you know, 
satisfaction of like the instant satisfaction of knowing like, okay, you know what? This is impacting someone, but you've been still lucky. I feel like I see you and you've been able, things are opening up and you've been able to go back on, you know, tours. Do you find like just that, that feeling of like hearing the, the, the thank you market, not even the thank yous, but like, I hear you. I feel you. I understand you. I'm in the same boat as you. Listen, you are dead on. I understand everything you're saying, and there is absolutely no substitute for it. I'm a huge Hamilton fan, by the way, so I speak oh! in Hamilton references. Oh, I love this. I love this. <laughs> there is no substitute for being in the room where it happens, right? right? And I, one of the last events I did, and I remember finishing my talk and, like, hearing people weeping, right. seeing and even when you see that on a Zoom call, because you see a bunch sure. of square, it's not the same as being no. in a room where people are so emotionally touched that they have to run and get a hug. Like, and they don't even have words. They just want a hug right. and just that comfort and that that immediate knowing. Because one of the greatest things as a person of influence and as a person who wants to leverage story and pain, because here's the thing, every time you say we pour out these stories, like we've been yeah. able to have some chuckles and have some fun with this story. Right. But every time I share it, I live that. And it's like reliving that trauma again and again. So that is hard. So, but when you do receive that validation that, or that person saying like, yo, this resonated and it really made a difference, it makes it worth it. Yeah. It kind of re-energizes you to know I didn't go through and rehash that experience for nothing. Yeah. Now, here's the place where I would encourage you, because I know what you're saying, but there's not a time you open your mouth that somebody's not impacted, even whether you can see them or not. And that's hard, right. but you are changing lives of people you will never know. For every one person who audibly says or writes you a message saying you really impacted me, there's another 10 to 20 of them that's feeling it no. that won't ever say it. I don't know why they won't, but they feel it every right. time you open your mouth. So like, you just got to stay the course because you are changing the world. I know you are. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to cry. I wish I could give you a hug in real life right now. <laughs> I told Britt I'm coming to California soon. So yes, we you have to. You. Now, I have a question for you on a personal, on a personal note. A personal note about forgiveness. Now, mm -hmm. you talk about your relationship with your father. I have no relationship with my father. Um, I have not spoken with my father since I was in my teens. And, and you know, I, it, it, it is what it is. And it's not a woe is me situation. I'm very blessed. I have the best mom in the entire world who played the part of two parents, um, sometimes three. Um, so I, you know, but I, I just, I'm always so curious on how people are able to find forgiveness for faults of parents who are supposed to protect you and are supposed to be the ones that make you feel like everything is going to be safe. Man, I will be so honest with you and tell you that was one of the hardest things that I've had to overcome and, and do because for many years, I I hated him and yeah. I didn't want to hear his voice. I didn't want to hear his name and I, did, I wouldn't go home. I left. I packed my stuff up, moved cross country and didn't go home. And we had this toxic relationship of him laughing at me when I lost football. And when he's like, I told you, you'd be nothing. I told ha ha and just like rubbing it in. And I'm like, 
you know, that was heartbreaking and really altered a part of who I was. And I had to fight like four times as hard just to begin to believe I had something worthy to say, primarily because of the seeds planted from him. Right. So I had these years in that 10 year wilderness gap where I was like, man, F that dude. Like, I don't want to hear from him. I don't want to see him, whatever. And so I remember having a conversation with my mom and she was telling me I need to call him. I've been his birthday or something. I, was like, I ain't calling that dude. I got nothing to say yeah. to him. And yeah. my mom was like, you need to call your father. And I was like, man, I don't got no father. I'm just being honest. I'm I like, want, no, I, I know. Yeah, I feel that. And she's, she's steadily saying like, Marcus, you cannot hate your dad. And at first I was like, I can do what I want to do. And you can't stop. Of course, me. yeah. But then something hit me. And I remember when it happened, cause I was thinking like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're the person who experienced the most trauma as a result of that relationship. You're the person who has so much of your life taken from you and so much difficulty within that relationship. If you can say this, damn, how can I, how can I even begin right. to allow myself to hate him if you don't? So now I'm like, I'm really going internal and thinking like, if you can forgive him, maybe I should start. And that was just the piece that just opened my mind to a conversation. And it took yeah. a while. It didn't happen overnight. I just, no, of course I did sure give not. him a call. Yeah. And it meant the call meant a lot to him. And you know, he saw all of this like, oh man, you changed. You're different. I'm like, I didn't change you. I've been gone. You can see me now. Right. You see I, me I'm as the an same. Adult. I've always been. Yeah. But what? he, you know, I think also once that started happening, he started watching me closely and he started watching me transform my life and from what I come from to build something out of nothing. I think it was encouraging to him and he eventually started calling me. And there's never been people ask me this. There's never been like a, a formal apology, but he's apologized in his own way. And, and so he's never said, I'm sorry. but Right. When he, right. Huh? And I think, no, I, yeah. I totally get that. And I, I, I understand there's there's. You know, it, it's very hard. I think also there's no excuse for a different generation, but I think that it's a different generation, simply put, you know, and I think that, you know, the way that men were raised um, were not the same way that, that men are allowed to be now. Um, so that's ingrained in him, I'm sure, still of, you know, it well, was. well, you can't really apologize, but you can be there, you know, and show up and make a phone call. He tells me all the time that, like, I'm his best friend and, like, seeing me makes him want to be a better man still. And the things that I'm doing, like, it resonates with him on a different level. Like, mm. he's changed his life. He's sober now. He's been off alcohol for a wow. couple of years. Like, wow. He, like, I mean, it's north of 10 years at this point. That's he's fabulous. But the, he said the driving force in him really changing and wanting to get better, become more spiritual, was watching the man that I was able to become in spite of how he tried to impact me. Wow. That's fantastic. So for anybody who is in that place, and even you, it's like, I wouldn't say you got to just let it all go like nothing happened. That's hard. Right. But, you know, maybe maybe open a door. Right. And just see where it goes. Right. That's all I did was open a door. And he still had to make choices to change. And he did. Not everybody makes those. choices. Right. If he didn't, then I'm sure we still be strained. But once the door was open, he sees that opportunity and, and really began to shift. And now now he's my biggest fan, my number one fan. 
Which is just so beautiful. I just, I, I love that. And it must be, you know, also really cool for you, like, you know, with the idea of like being a dad or wanting to be a dad or in the future of being a dad, you know, like understanding like what, what it means and how important a relationship really is with a parent. And, you know, it's so wonderful that you have your mother as well. And, and just to look at how brave she was to be like, look, you know, I forgave him. And it was shit, but I did. And I did it for all of you, you know, and what sacrifice really is and how beautiful that can be. Man, it is. And and watching that, like she was always my shero. She was always the rock. She always poured into me and helped me believe. So if you are a parent and you're in a situation where there's one parent that's in a little bit more toxic space and you feel like you're not making a difference and you fear losing your kids, never stop telling them you love them. Never stop telling them how special they are. Never stop telling them you believe in them. Never stop pouring into them because whether you know it or not, you're planting seeds. Uh-huh. And I had some choices to make. And in some of those earlier, tougher years, I had some times where I didn't know if I wanted to be here anymore. And right. it was those seeds that I held on to that got me through to where now it's like, now she's always overwhelmed with emotion, watching me become who she always knew I could become. Right. Not on the time frame it could have been, but on, but exactly when it was meant to be. Like we are exactly where we're supposed to be, when we're supposed to be absolutely. to impact who we're supposed to impact. Oh, absolutely. Like, like you said, full circle, there is no coincidence. You know, there is no coincidence. And Marcus, what are you doing now? Like, what is the driving force for you for change and for inspiration and just pure love? I see it. (laughs) On the side of my shirt, there's giant letters that say E-Y-A. And this is crazy how this came about. There's more to the story. And I I went through a difficult season. Even after I discovered what I was supposed to do, I was working in a church context. And that's good. And it taught me a lot, helped groom me as a speaker. But it left a lot to be desired in my heart. And I walked away from that. And something that had always been a pillar of who I am, my spiritual foundation was like shaken. And it was like rocky. And I don't know, I was just trying to cope and trying to survive with some semblance of who I've always been. And, you know, I but I started taking off as a keynote speaker. So I was speaking at businesses, getting paid, money's happening. And there was a little old lady uh, by the name of Ashley Faye Brandstetter. I got to say her name. Shout oh, out to I you, my G. That. I know you're going to listen no. to this. <laughs> and she is a huge person like a huge person she's a tiny person she's a tiny person with a huge personality and a huge heart (laughs) but her huge personality and huge heart and she had this dream of like changing the world and so she literally went from nothing in her story Mm -hmm. to building this like multi-successful business like from negative literally negative dollars in her bank account negative 54 to be exact to multiple six figures like shopping network the whole shebang oh my gosh and she found herself crazy but she found herself in that place of feeling like for some reason i don't feel like this is it this is good but this isn't it there's something more and so there's a lot of people who will tell you to feel bad or make you feel bad for feeling like even you you're a successful person but you might feel like but this isn't it there's something more that i'm supposed to do and people make you what do you mean more like you're not grateful for what you have where you are and I hate when people do that to people because like, you know, what's in your tank and what your desire is and what you have the ability to do. So that caused her in that space, 
to say, I got a beautiful family. I got a beautiful home, a successful business, but there's more and I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm going to go and explore the more. Right. And so she created this movement called Embrace Your Ambition. Well, she wound up asking me to be keynote speaker for the first one. And I was like, I'm in. Come oh on now. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. <laughs> it, incredible, right? But I went there thinking, I'm about to change these people's life. I'm right. about to heal their hearts. Right. I'm about to slay yeah. dragons. <laughs> I went with this mindset. And that was a situation in a season, a weekend that transformed my entire life because I went to do the healing not knowing that it was it was my own heart that needed to be healed. Isn't that interesting? Wow. And through through that weekend, that was one of those experiences where I trans some series of events happened. I transformed what I was gonna say at the last minute. My talk had been prepared for three to four months. I changed it the day before. I went with it and the room was weeping. It ended with this was the last speech of the entire thing. My 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 heart was overwhelmed the room was crying i went upstairs to my room because i needed it was overwhelming i fell to my knees and i just cried because that spiritual connection that i once had that had been severed for so long had become reconnected and it was one human being's faith and her obedience and her ability to reach out and her generosity and her sharing that platform with me that changed my heart and my life and then in that process we've just been able to build like a super dope relationship and she said hey we shared she shared the whole vision with me her vision was literally like my life's vision wow. it's literally going and creating global impact L going and unlocking hearts and minds who have been in prison too long with self-limiting beliefs right. and doubts and worries and fears and anxiety and all the things we've struggled with to literally light the fire under them and let them know there's so much more yeah. there's yeah. more in life and you can do it it's not anybody else it's you you see how i yeah like the passion yes. i can't help it no but that's so she so asked good. me to be, come on and be official partner with her in this <gasps> mission and of course i said yes it was the easiest yes i've, I've ever had to say and so the thing that wakes me yeah. up now, we're creating this global movement where we are hosting live events to, so people can come back in and hug next and be together and experience that feeling. We're also doing global missions. We're taking a group to Mexico this year <gasps> to serve a community oh, in I Mexico. Oh, I love that. Oh my we gosh. Are, we have courses. Yeah, man, we're doing all the things. We got, we're creating books. We're writing books, workbooks. I mean, just like a whole movement of yeah. people who dare to say, what if I stop worrying what other people say? What if I stop caring about what they said to me, what they said about me? And I just fully embrace EYA stands for embrace your ambition. Oh, I there love can that. Be a, there's a, there's a negative side of ambition, your right? ambition. Yes, because but people say, oh, you're so ambitious. Like, you know, maybe you shouldn't think that far. Like, that's too ambitious. So I love that. Embrace your ambition. Because whose life is better when you become your best? That's right. How many people get their lives transformed because you made the choice to embrace your ambition? Oh. So like, that's it. That's the thing. That's the thing is waking me up. I'm, we're pouring a lot that's into it. it. We're building that's it. it. Huge. That's it. He's changing the world. And he's like, that's it. Like. <laughs> no, I mean, that is, oh, I cannot wait to go to one of those and just feel the energy in the room because it must just be palpable, just like, oh my God, like just overwhelming.
I'm not gonna lie, it's always a tear filled affair, but not bad tears. It's no. like freeing tears. Yeah. Like all the weight we've been carrying that people get to just let go and just be and feel cleansed and feel refreshed and just pour it out. And I always say crying is like taking your soul to the laundromat. So you get that spiritual cleaning. Oh, and next I love thing you know, that. you're just ready to go change the world. So yeah, I I can't wait, man. I'm look. I'm all excited now. I'm about to cry. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm like happy. I'm emotional. All no, the because it, it it feels like the only way I can say it, it feels right, doesn't it? Feels right. Yes. And it's I what think I was put that's what on the what, planet to do. Oh, and it's crazy yeah. to be to be able to find like like hearted. Like this is a thing. If you guys are looking to do your own thing, like trying to figure out where you should go, collaboration is key finding like-minded, like-hearted individuals that you can go together with. Each of us have a particular set of skills. She got skills I'll never have. And then I have some natural skills and we put all that together and create this like massive wave and this movement. And it's just been so life giving and yeah. it's kind of bizarre. We both kind of have moments where we're like, is this even real? Like there's, right. there's a 0% How did chance this happen? Yeah. We would have saw ourselves working with each other. Cause she built a uh, empire on like making glitter tumblers like the yeti cups that are like customized are oh, you like, kidding me that super, is all super. i want does she still make them will she make me an emotion i'll support one like oh, oh my we... oh my god that's so cool actually Faye, I'm, I'm volunteering you to make her an emotional support yeah because see like so i always go. got my tumblers with me with my iced tea that's what i do oh so if she sees that she will have a fit because she calls those naked you don't ha ever it's have a naked, naked. I'm you all about bedazzling. Them. It's naked. <laughs> I need like a full one all the time with me, like a full emo that just like walks around. Like I don't like naked. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but, but once yeah, again, there that. is no coincidence. No coincidences, guys. If you guys are into glitter tumblers, Ashley Faye Designs. I'm That's A-S-H-L-E-E-F-A-Y -E -E Designs. You can find they got hella stuff. It's I'm going on dope. like as soon as we like sign off this. You think I'm kidding? I'm like going to write her and be like, listen, <laughs> listen, sweetie. We have a conversation to be had. I have a naked tumbler. And Marcus said my tumbler is <laughs> naked. We got to fix that right now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. It's hilarious. But this is so special. Well, Marcus, I'm going to ask you my final question, which I ask everyone, and I feel like I know an idea of what it's going to be, but knowing you, you just come out with these surprises, so I'm not sure. But Marcus, what is your emotional support? Man, I love that. For me, it's people. Mm. So there's people, trusted people that I know, like, um, people like yourself oh. and you know Britt Bronson will just call yeah. she can tell she knows God, she's psychic when something's I, wrong. I know and she's like we're getting on the phone right now tell me everything and then I just do and that's the thing guys if you find yourself in a place where you need you need to lean on somebody else it's okay nobody's that strong and so that's one so I have people a support community who really allows me to just be I don't got I'm so I'm the leader everywhere I'm the voice everywhere I'm the face everywhere so to have a few people that I don't gotta be that I can just be is life but also I literally have a routine that literally I'm about to go do as soon as we get off of here. And every single day of my life, I silence the noise. It's like, this is also how I defeated anxiety. Like, this is how, oh, like, wow. I, when I say defeated, the attacks still come, but they don't last. They used to last for like five to 10 minutes. Then I got it down to like one minute and they used wow. to happen like 
every other day. I got it down to happening like once every month. And now they probably kick in about once a quarter. So they happen less frequently. And when they do happen, they don't last. The monster because... is now like the cookie monster now. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I love that. So, but I, I got this like three step process. And number one, the first step is silence the noise. I do this every day. Silence the noise. We live in a perpetual state of overwhelm and our phones from the moment we open our eyes, our televisions, everything, our computers are just feeding us, feeding us all the trauma of the world, all the drama of the world, all of the hurt, the pain. And you were not meant to take all of that into your mind and your heart. You no. cannot, you're wondering why you feel heavy and down. That's why you gotta have yeah. a moment where you disconnect from that. Mm -hmm. So I go to the lake. You gotta have a happy place. My happy place is the lake. I'm gonna go sit right Beautiful. on the side of the lake and feel the breeze smacking me in my face and listen to the waves crashing and just no phone, no notifications and just breathe. That puts me into number two, which is be, just be in the moment, be present. Because if you're literally, depression is literally replaying your past traumas on a loop. If you just replay the nightmares of your mind, like you're going, that's a recipe for depression. And yeah. I've done that in my life where I just think and I just go down the rabbit hole of how that made me feel. And you know, I don't want you to do that because you, you don't have to experience that. Like it's something about being present in the moment. Likewise, the recipe for anxiety is thinking about tomorrow and what's happening next and what might happen and all the possible traumatic, scary things mm -hmm. that could go wrong in your life. Right. So stop yeah. living there because you don't got no control over. You can't change what happened and you got no control over what's going to happen. Right. So you live right now, right now in this moment. In I got breath. My heart is beating. I'm here with an incredible human being sharing this moment. What else could I want? I'm yeah. good right now. And then the third step is gratitude. It is impossible for you to continue to feel down and in despair if you force yourself to write out things you're grateful for. Because mm. now I'm shifting my focus and no longer thinking about what I don't have, but thinking about what I do have. Yeah. And that changes my heart space and it changes my mind and it makes me feel energized to keep going and get more things to be thankful for. So I do that every single day of my life. There's not a day. And that is how I stay up. That is how I am giving myself, supporting myself emotionally. So I got a community, but I also have a process that I use to support myself. And this is this is what I say. So what I would tell you, I guess, in my final address is, listen, you're not defined by anything you ever went through. Whatever painful circumstance you felt inside your heart and your soul, you're not defined by it. You don't have to live and allow it to control you for the rest of your life. Right now, you are significant. You are loved. You are special. You'll never be more significant than you already are right now. So stop searching for it because you were born with it. And I want you to hear and feel me what I'm saying to you because I want you to know that I believe you are a world changer. I believe your story and your pain has the power to turn someone else's potential into purpose. So you own it and you walk it out every single day because you can. I love y'all. Thank you so yes. much for having me. Oh, I love you so much, Marcus. Thank you. Thank you.